I want to begin a brand new series um, that I, I'm really pumped about. It's, it's called uh, Five Habits of the Healthy, Holy Heart. Uh, how many of you have ever spent any time at all just kind of thinking about your own personal health and how to keep your physical heart healthy? How many of you have ever spent a little time thinking about that? Okay, most of us have. Throw that picture up on the screen for me, would you? Um, not that picture, the other picture. There you go. Uh, this is a, a little, a little uh, image that has uh, some, some tips for a healthy heart. And I want you to notice, starting on the top, left, top right over there, uh, just some things that you can drink. Drink less as far as you know, alcohol is what they're talking about, not water. But drink less alcohol. That's better for your heart. Uh, ditch the salt. Uh, cut the fat. In other words, if you put something in your mouth and it tastes good, spit it out. You don't deal with that. You know. so, um, get active. You know, move your body. Uh, lose weight, lower your blood pressure, uh, good sleep, uh, pump some iron, build the muscle mass, uh, stop smoking if you smoke, and I love the last one, reduce stress. How many of you say, I'm all over that? Yeah, I'd love to reduce, reduce some stress. How many of you, as you look at that image, would say, yeah, you know what, there are these, these things are, there are some of these things that I, I really need to work on for my own physical health. How many of you know, would be, yeah, yeah. Now, what I want, what I want you to get when we talk about um, having a, a healthy heart is it's one thing to say I want a healthy heart it's another thing to have the habits that produce a healthy heart amen in other words you don't your heart's not healthy simply because you want it to be healthy your heart is healthy as a result of the habits that you put into place in your life now, I thought of that when I, I was thinking about this series, and I was asking myself the question, God, what are the things that really make up the difference between people who say, I, I want to be a man or woman of God, and the people who really become a man or woman of God? And I tried to think beyond just some of the more kind of superficial things that we talk about in our faith. And really ask the question, what are the things that really go on in here? Now, stay with me for a second. If you understand it, you can look at someone and they, you may look at them on the outside and they may look like a healthy person, but yet on the inside, their heart still may be unhealthy, right? Same thing spiritually. Uh, you can look at someone and you can say, you know what, they, they seem to have all of the things that would make up someone who is spiritually healthy, um, but yet a healthy, holy heart isn't something that just happens. It's the result of having the right kind of habits in your life. And I'm not talking about, again, just superficial habits. I'm talking about things that really take us inside where we really live and walk with God. And so what I want to do uh, in these next five weeks is each week, um, I, I want to talk about a habit, something that if you really grab hold of it and begin to apply it to your life, it'll help you develop the kind of healthy, holy heart that I really believe you want to have. You know, if I were to if if I were to talk to any one of you and I were to say that, say that you know ask you the question, do you want to be physically healthy? Almost every one of us would go, I'd love to be healthy. The question is, are you willing to do the things that it takes to be healthy? Same thing spiritually. If I were to ask you the question, do you really want to be a man or woman of God? Do you really want to be a godly person? 
I, I would imagine that most of us would say, yes, I want to be that godly person. I want to be that man or woman of God. Well, it's not, it's not just because you want it. It's a result of these habits. Are you ready? I want you to take your sermon outline out if you want to you track along with me. And I want to I start off just by talking a little bit about these habits. When you ask the question, you say, well, Pastor Steve, why are these habits you're talking about? Why, why are they so important to this goal? Let, let, me give you, let me give you a few reasons. You ready? Here we go. The first one is this. They turn experiences with God into a lifestyle with him. Let's say that again. They turn experiences with God into a lifestyle with him. Um, really interesting. I, I was uh, watching on, on Facebook uh, this week. I've, uh, we got a lot of around the country, different camps going on and camp meetings happening and all of these uh, really cool spiritual experiences. And what's really neat is how God shows up at those places and really does some cool work in people's lives. In fact, how many of you, when you look back across your own journey of faith, have just had some real defining, meaningful moments with God at a camp or at a camp meeting or something like that? You've been there? Yeah. And, and isn't it, isn't it it's just marvelous how God shows up and, you know, and he convicts us and we, you know, we want to surrender our life to him or, or, or we find victory over something that we've been struggling with or, or, or those kinds of things. But have you ever noticed how hard it is to transfer that experience with God into something that happens on a daily basis. Now, looking back, and I was thinking about the fact, you know, when I was growing up, you know, I got saved every year at youth camp. You know what I'm saying? I mean, every year I was, I was, asking, you know, I was asking God to, you know, you know, change me again, you know, and again. And, and, and what you realize is that, you know, if there's one thing to have an encounter with God, but it's, it's another thing to have a really intimate journey with him. And that's what I want in this, in these, when we talk about these habits, these habits help us to take these incredible encounters with God we have and really make it a lifestyle with him. But secondly, they turn our intentions into actions. They turn our intentions into actions. Come on, this is church, it's Sunday morning, great place to confess. How many of you have ever gotten to the beginning of a new year and you said, this is the year I'm going to lose weight, and then you didn't? Yeah, there's a bunch of liars in here too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's it's you know, why? Because you don't lose weight just because you want to lose weight. You know, you, you lose weight because you do the things that it takes. You know, you eat less, you move more, you know, you, you transfer some things. Well, it's the same thing here. It's one thing to say, you know, I want to be. It's one thing to have your heart touched and say, I want to be a man of God. I want to be a woman of God. I, I want God to work in me in incredible ways. It's one thing to say you want that, but that intention doesn't become reality until you put the right kind of habits in place and turn it into action. The third one, the, these habits, when we talk about them, these are guardrails that protect us on our faith journey. These habits that we're going to talk about, they, they're guardrails that will really help protect you on your faith journey. I, I don't know if you, if you understand this or you know this or not, but do, do you realize that the day you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, do you understand you go to war. Do you get that? Now, that's why, you know, you read this, you, you see this um, 
analogy all through Scripture about this battle, the spiritual battle. You know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We read Paul saying, you know, put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because the day that you surrender to Christ is the day the enemy knows he's going to have to really get to work to remove from you that which you have gained. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Now look at me. Don't miss this. The enemy doesn't just want to mess you with you a little bit. He's not wanting to just distract you or even just discourage you. The enemy's goal is to destroy you, and, you, and we have to get that. Um, you know, Peter describes him, he said, he's like a, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know, how, how do we protect ourselves? How do we become wise enough to really protect ourselves against this enemy that's coming out? Well, that's what these habits help do. These habits help create these guardrails that keep us in this right place with God that keeps the enemy out and keeps God in. Does that make sense? Okay. Also, number four, these, these habits, they are the roots of all godly growth. They are the roots of all godly growth. I want you to hear my heart. There's a difference between being smart and being godly. I'm going to say that again. There's a difference between being smart and being godly. Don't miss this. The people that Jesus had the hardest time with when he walked on this earth were the most well-educated religious people on the planet. They were people who knew the scriptures. They were people who prayed regularly. They were people who performed all kinds of spiritual rituals um, before God. But there's a difference between reading scripture and having scripture really transform your heart. There's a difference between saying prayers and really crying out of your heart to God. There's a difference between performing religious rituals and really offering things to God that come from the inside out. And this is one of the pieces I've discovered that we don't understand. We get lulled a bit to sleep because we think that, you know, we think that, you know, I, I've read the Bible through. Well, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I'm glad you, you've read the Bible through. But you do understand that just because you have the Bible in your head, it doesn't mean you have it in your heart. There's a difference. And when we talk about these, these habits that I'm going to talk about, you know, they are things that are actually designed to, to, to take the stuff that we, that we hear and that we see and that we know and develop roots to them because our spiritual growth come out of the roots not just out of the surface knowledge or understanding. Does that make sense to you? Okay. And, and number five, these habits are important because they are the foundation of true discipleship. They are the foundation of true discipleship. I, I want to help us move away from this idea that, well, I believe in God. Or when we talk about being a, a, a person of faith, to say, well, I, I believe in God. Or I, I believe in Jesus. 
James, James says, you believe in God? You do well. Even the demons believe in God, and they tremble. So if you're sitting here today and you say, well, I believe in God, you're in great company. All the demons of hell believe in him as well. But there's a, there's a difference. God doesn't want you to simply believe in him. Christ doesn't want you to simply believe in him. Christ didn't come to, 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 to have a world full of believers. He came to develop a world of disciples. He wants us to really grow to follow him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen? That's what, he, that's what we want. And we talk about these, these, these habits. These are things that are really going to lay this foundation so, so that we can really become what, what Christ is after, and that is real, true disciples of his. That's why I put this statement on your outline. So the question is, do you want to simply be a fan of Jesus, or do you want to be a fully committed follower of his? And, and I hope today, my, my prayer is that that's, that's what really what you want. And that's where these habits that I'm going to talk about are going to take us. You ready? Well, let me talk. I'm going to talk about the first one. The first one is one that I've, I've mentioned before in, in other uh, teaching that I've done. But I really think it's, it's where I have to begin. And that is the habit of humility. This whole habit of Humility. Andrew Murray says that, um, that humility is the root of all virtue and that pride is the root of all sin. And so when we really talk about, so Pastor Steve, what does it really mean to be a godly person? What does it really mean? What, what's that habit that I've got to develop that'll really help me draw close to God? Well, the first one where we have to begin is this idea that, look at me, there is a God and you are not him. Amen? There is a God, and you, you are not him. Uh, because the temptation in our lives is, is for us to want to become our own gods. That was the temptation from the very beginning of time. Go back to the garden. You remember the temptation that Satan offered Adam and Eve? It wasn't about eating fruit. He was about, you do this, and you will be what? Like God. Like God, you, you, you'll know good from evil, you'll, and you'll be able to rule your own life, and, and that's what gets us in so much trouble. And when I begin to think about what really are the habits that help us to, to really draw close to God, grow deep in God, I've got to begin with this idea that, you know what, it begins when we humble ourselves before God. When we humble ourselves before God. I, I love what Peter says, First Peter 5, 6, read it out loud with me. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. <laughs> Come on, this is us to us. How many of you would be honest enough to publicly confess you could probably use a little more humility than you have? Yeah. Yeah. How many of you are sitting next to someone who needs a little more humility? Than <laughs> more hands. Yes, 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 yes. I, I love it. Have you discovered that when you, when you get a little full of yourself, have you discovered that God has a way of humbling you from time to time? Yeah. I love it. Max Licato is uh, my favorite Christian author, and uh, he wrote a book called Traveling Light. And in his, in his book, Max was talking about, uh, he pastors in, in San Antonio, and he was talking about a, a day that he got up early and he went to a little, little town outside of San Antonio uh, where he was going to spend the day doing some writing. 
And uh, so he, he, he got there early, and uh, he was going into this diner to have breakfast. And he said he noticed when he got out of his car, and he started walking toward the diner, and he's passing some people on the sidewalk, he said that people were kind of looking at him funny. And he thought, he's kind of looking at himself, you know, my zipper up, you know, what's, what's going on? You know, he's kind of checking himself out, what, what are they looking at? And, and uh, he, he thought that was kind of weird, and he walked into the diner, and he said, when I came into the diner, he said, people turned, and he said, I saw some people's eyes kind of open up, and he's like, what? And he said, I, what in the world is, is going on? And then he said, all of a sudden, he goes, I realized, ah, they recognize me. You know, this is a town of readers. You know, they obviously have seen my picture on my book jackets, you know, my books. And he said, these are, you know, obviously people who read and they saw it and they're, they're, they're just, you know, kind of excited that a famous author is, you know, in their town. And, and he said he came in and he, he said he sat down and he said he saw people in the restaurant kind of leaning to each other and whispering. And he thought, oh, this is, you know, he said, I'm trying to take it in. He said, but it was, it was hard not to, you know, feel a little swell of pride about all that. And he said, you know, he took, got, got his order. He said he ate his breakfast, and he said when he went to pay his bill, he said, I walked up to the cashier, and he said, that to, I gave her my money, and he said she looked at me, and she said she started to say something, and, and she stopped, and he said I thought she was going to ask me for an autograph, but she thought maybe that was too imposing, and he, he just kind of smiled, nodded his head, and paid his bill, and he said I went into the restroom before I left the restaurant, and he said I walked into the bathroom, and he said when I looked in the mirror, he said all of a sudden I realized what everybody was staring at. He said, I had nicked myself shaving that morning. And he said, and I thought I had clogged the blood up with a little piece of tissue and it had stopped. He said, but it actually had kept bleeding. And he said, I had this big glob of blood down on my chin. He said, it looked like a turkey gobble, you know, kind of thing there. And he said, I had this turkey wobble thing going on on my chin. He said, people were looking at me, not because they thought I was a famous author, but they probably thought I was some escapee from a Texas prison somewhere, you know? And he said, you know, and he said, and he started laughing and he said, you know, isn't it funny how God has this way of humbling us just when we need it? Well, God can do that. Amen. God can do that. But what if, what if God didn't have to? What if we were wise enough to humble ourselves and keep our hearts uh, humble before God. What, what if we could choose to do that? And so, well, Pastor Steve, what would help me? Glad you asked. Can I give you a couple of things? Here we go. Here's the first one. Uh, first thing I would say to you is spend some time in awe of the miracle of grace. Spend some time in awe the miracle of grace. In his letter to the Romans, Paul makes a statement. He says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, when Paul wrote that, how many of you think that might include you? Now, this is really important. Because here, here's what I've come to understand. There's a part of us that understand that, well, we all need grace. But for a lot of us, the way we look at it is, well, I need, I need a little grace. But there are other people, they need a lot of grace. Look at me. The wages of sin is death. 
That means that without Jesus Christ, we are all dead in our sins. Amen? Now, if, you have a, if I have a funeral here and I've got one casket where they've done a great job of embalming the body and, it's, and they've done the hair and the makeup and everything and the, and the body looks really attractive and right beside it I've got a, an urn full of ashes of someone, um, which of those people are dead? They both are. And, and just because one looks a little prettier than the other doesn't mean they're any more alive. Amen? Now, if you can get that, then you begin to understand that's how we are. You know, we are all in need of this great grace of God. And one of the things that, that I've come to understand is the day I forget that I am before God only because he has chosen me by his grace, the day I forget that I am only his because of what he has done for me, the day that I forget that I'm not right with God because of anything I did, that it's all because of what he did, the day I forget that is the day I lose my humility. Because I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've gone to church. I don't care how many times you've read the Bible. I don't care what kind of acts of sacrifice you've performed. There is nothing you can do to make yourself alive in through it with God except through Jesus Christ our Lord. We got to grab that. Because if you want to understand what will really make you humble of heart, Spend a little time each day reminding yourself just how much you need God and what you would be without him. There is a, a, a word that if you, if you travel in the, in the Mideast uh, or in South Asia, there's a, a word that has, um, that's used in several countries, but it's, it has Persian roots to it. It's the word bakshish. And the word bakshish uh, is what you would hear from a beggar who is on the side of the road who is wanting you to give them money or food or, or whatever. They'll, they'll hold out their hands and they will say, bakshish, bakshish, bakshish. And it's a word that really literally means a gift. When I, when I read that, I, I thought, that's, that's our story before God. You know, when I, I come before God, I don't come because I've done anything or have laid claim to anything. When I come before God, I'm coming with open hands as a beggar before him saying, Lord, bakshish, I need a gift. Grace is God's gift to us, not something that we deserve. Amen? Look at the passage of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Read it out loud with me. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast about it. Look at me. I don't care who you are, what you've done, where you've been, or how long you've been there. God's grace is greater than all of your sin. And today, God offers you this gift, this eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can't earn it. You can't uh, outdo him. You, all that. He, he gives it to you freely, but that's the gift that he gives to all of us. It doesn't matter how far or how close you stayed to home. It doesn't matter how much or little that you did. We are all dead before God and are right before him only because of the gift he offers us. Amen. 
Pastor Steve, where does humility start? Humility begins when I realize every single day, God, I am a beggar in need of your gift. Spend some time in awe of the miracle of grace. Give you a second one. Recognize that your strength, believe it or not, actually comes from knowing how weak you are. <laughs> your strength comes from knowing how weak you are. I always think about that, uh, that Carrie Underwood song, Jesus Take the Wheel, you know. And I always think that's exactly the prayer we pray when we're in a crisis, isn't it? You know, Jesus, take the wheel. Our lives are spinning out of control, and it's, you know, Jesus, take the wheel. But once we get that car straightened back out, once we get our lives back on track, what do we do? We kind of nudge God to the back seat and say, I'll take it from here. Some point along the way, we got to decide, you know what? I'm really a bad driver. I should, you know, I need Jesus to drive my life all of the time. There's a great story of a few years ago. There was a a 62-year-old guy in Sweden by the name of, of Rolf Klassen, and um, he had kind uh, of hobbled up a bit. He was walking with a walker, and he was at an ATM machine uh, getting some money out one evening, and um, when he got the money and he turned around, there were two young thugs standing there, one with a knife, and they said, give us your money, old man. And Rolf Klassen smiled at these two young guys, and he said, this is not going to end well for you. <laughs> and these two young thugs who thought they were all of that and a bag of chips, you know what I'm saying? The guy with the knife kind of lurched at Rolf, and when he did, Rolf hit him with a right cross that knocked him out. When the other guy stepped forward, he threw a left jab, caught that guy right on the nose, and knocked him flat on his back. Rolf Klassen was a retired heavyweight boxer. <laughs> and he may have been in a walker, but his arms were still really good. Throw that picture. We got a picture of Rolf. Throw that picture up there. <laughs> I, Eddie Vickers, that kind of looks like you, man. That's, that kind of looks like, like, look like Eddie, doesn't it? I love that. Yeah, you know, well, I thought, you know, can you imagine, I, I was thinking about these two guys, and I was thinking, you know, can you imagine them guys licking their chops when, when they saw him walk up to that ATM with that walker? I mean, can you imagine these young thugs who were, you know, wanting some money for whatever, and, and seeing this guy walk up with a walker, and they're going, oh, man, this is going to be an easy take, and, you know, we're not going to have any resistance here. You know, you can see they were just all full of themselves. They had no idea that this one that they were facing who's <laughs> going to take both of them out. Now, don't miss this. Because this is so important for us to understand. Every once in a while, in our journey of faith, we begin to believe that we are strong enough to do this on our own. Look at me. And you are not. We are not. The day that you believe you can do this on your own, take on the enemy on your own, that's the day that you're dead in the water. Now, again, those of you who know me know I'm a really upbeat person, and I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm full of positive energy, and I'm, I'm full of optimism. I always see the blue sky. But one of the things that I've learned is I'm not, I don't believe in the blue sky because of me. I believe in it because of God. We, we mix this stuff up. We love to claim verses like, I can do all things. And we forget the rest of the verse is, I can do all things how, church? 
through Christ who gives me the strength. Or we go, we go, you know what? I am more than an overcomer. And we forget, yes, I'm more than an overcomer. How? Through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Or we say, you know what? I've got the victory. Yes, you are victorious. You can live a victorious life. We can live in victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The day you leave Jesus Christ out, you're dead. And we got to get that. We're not strong because of who we are. We're strong because of who he is. You're not greater than this enemy you face. That's not what the Bible says. John said, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Amen? Not you're greater. Greater is the one who is in you. What's that mean? That means every single day of your life, you got to wake up with this understanding. You're weak. But he is strong. And the more you lean into him, the stronger that you become. The more open and vulnerable you become about where you struggle, where you're vulnerable, the more honest you become about where you know that you can fall and fail. The more open you become with God, the weaker you become, the stronger you become. Does that make sense to you? You see, here's what I know. You can't be the husband you really want to be without the help of God. You can't be the wife that you really want to be without the help of God. You, you can't be the, the worker or, or the company leader. You can't be any of what you want to be as a parent. You can't do this. The day that I come up to this stage and I believe that out of my speaking ability, I can change lives, I'm done. Because I don't care how great a communicator you are. You can't change lives. You can't save souls. You can't fix marriages. That's stuff that only God can do. Know your strength comes from how weak you are. If not, you'll end up like one of those knocked out thieves. <laughs> I love Proverbs 16, 18. You know this verse. Wait, read it out loud with me. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. I love what Andrew Murray says. He says, well, you know what? Pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. And that is so true. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. That's from what Paul said. We quoted it earlier. Why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. Read it with me, church. For when I am weak, then I am strong. One more time. Would you read that again? I want this to go deep to your brain. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let me give you one more. If you want to keep yourself humble, compare yourself only to Jesus. Compare yourself only to Jesus. When I was thinking about this message, one of the thoughts I had is I, I think sometimes the way we get ourselves messed up and we come, become a little bit more confident about our lives than we should or maybe filled with a little more pride than we ought to have, it happens when we start comparing to ourselves to other people that we know are struggling more than us. 
In other words, we, we feel better. I think that's why sometimes when we, we hear about somebody messing up or we hear about somebody having a fall or you know, somebody doing I think we, there's a part of us that feels a little bit better by ourselves. Well, at least, at least I'm not like that. And we're just comparing ourselves to the wrong people. I saw this in, in the news last week. I actually watched a video and I, I thought some of you may have seen that. Throw that picture up on the screen. You might see this last week in the news. This, this, this girl is 15 years old. She's seven foot four in China. Seven foot four. And look, I mean, look at her. This is, this is the jump ball, you know, at the center circle. And uh, there's a, actually a video. You can go on and, and just punch that, put seven foot four girl from China. You'll, you'll get the video. It shows her playing. Her team won the national uh, the championship for 15 and younger. And in the championship game, she scored 42 points, had 25 rebounds and six block shots. Never left her feet in you know, the entire game. Yeah. And, and I'm, when I watched the video and I, was, and I was just thinking about this, I thought, you know, what hit me is I, I got sad. And you know Why? Because they're, they're raving about this girl, and it's like, all she is is big. You know, she's big compared to all of these other 15-year-olds. But they start talking about, you know, maybe she'll play in the, in the WNBA and all this. And she might. She might go pro. She's got, she's got some skills. But the, but the problem is, you put her on the court with other girls who are also 6'6 to 7 foot, who have skills also, she's not going to dominate a game like she does that. You see, you, you compare her to other 15-year-olds in China, yeah, she's a, she's a world-class, but co- compare her to somebody else, and you know what? She's not nearly as great as they're making her out to be. Now, look at me. I love you. You know that. And you can compare yourself to people who are doing worse in their journey of faith than you are, and you might feel a little better about yourself, but can I help you develop a little humility? Compare yourself to Jesus. Just answer the question. Do you think you love the way that Jesus loves? Do you think you forgive the way Jesus forgives? Do you think you're willing to sacrifice the way that Jesus was willing to sacrifice? You see, I might think a lot about myself when I compare myself to someone else, but I'll be honest with you. When I put Jesus in front of me, all of a sudden, I look really, really small and inadequate. Amen. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, read it with me. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Pastor Steve, if I I really want to grow to be a man or woman of God, if if I want my roots to go deep in my faith, and, and I really want to have a healthy, holy heart, where do I begin? Begin with humility. Because the day you realize that he is the vine and you are the branches, The day you realize that with him you can do all things, but apart from him you can do nothing. The day you can realize that you are going to be victorious on this life only because of who he is and not because of who you are, that's the day when your roots will begin to grow a little deeper. Can I be honest with you? I think if we were honest, I think there would be some of us that would have to admit We've been trying to do a lot of this journey out of our own strength rather than depending upon God. And today, 
I think a great place to begin is for us to simply humble our hearts before him. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we humble our hearts before you. We ask your forgiveness. Because God, there are days that we get up and we forget. We just can't do this on our own. Days we just get lazy and just think that we're going to just take life and go and we end up making a mess of things. Father, you never, you never intended for us to walk without you. Way back when you created us in the garden, you envisioned this journey to be a journey that every day you would, you would walk right beside us, being our advisor, being our guide, being our protector. Now, Lord, I, I pray that you would remind us of that. God, I pray that, that tomorrow when we wake up, that that the first thought in our mind is that there is a God and I am not him, but I sure need him. And I pray that we would spend just a few moments just being in awe of this great grace that we have, that we would remind ourselves that we were lost beggars and in need of a gift, a gift that you have provided through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God, I pray that you would remind us that it's when we're weak, that's when we're strong. It's when we admit, I can't be a great husband, I can't be a great father, I can't, I, I can't be a great worker or, or, or leader, I, I can't be a great teacher, I can't, I can't do any of this without you leading me, flowing through me. And it's in our willingness to admit our deep need for you that you do your best work through us. And Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you. You know, it's so easy to, to look at people who stumble and fall and, and smile and say, well, at least I'm not as bad as them. Lord, help us to keep our eyes on Jesus. When we stand up and we look in the mirror in the morning, help us to look at you. And help us to see that, God, you are who we want to be like. And Father, I pray that every single day that we would choose humility in our lives, that our, our roots in you would grow deeper, and that even the fruit of our lives would grow fresher, and that what people see on the outside would be more a result of what's going on on in the inside. That out of that healthy heart that we're developing, that we would develop fruit that looks a lot more like this Jesus whom we serve. Lord, today, we humble our hearts before you. We need you in every way. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for daily making yourself available to us. Help us to lean into you with all that we have. And it's in your precious name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen.